Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to examine what your students need, whether it be representative books, positive attention, or hygiene products, and try to find ways to meet those needs. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is Letizion Humphrey Valentine of Natchez, Mississippi. Letizion is an incredibly inspiring teacher with one of the most open and giving hearts. I found her on Twitter, where she always has motivating words and many, many books to give away to teachers and students. Letizion recently left classroom teaching to be an educational consultant at Education Galaxy, which provides online assessment, practice, and instruction for students. She also has a children's book called Fur Friends coming out on April 24th, 2020, with a percentage of her sales going to an animal shelter. This interview involved a lot of firsts for me. The first interview with someone outside of Washington or British Columbia, the first online recording I've done, and the first time I've cried with my interviewee at the end of the interview. But before we get to that, we began talking about the past. What was your path to becoming a teacher? So you were a student yourself in Mississippi. What brought you into the classroom in the first place? Well, taking you all the way back to when I was about five years old and I lived at my grandfather's house then and I would take my stuffed animals, sit them up and we would play school. I would get um, he uh, I'm a three time generation educator. I originally started off as a fourth grade substitute teacher. And basically I had all of the duties of a uh, fourth grade teacher, except I did not have the fourth grade teacher's pay. I didn't have the pay or the benefits. So I was working two jobs, trying to support myself and my son at the time. And, you know, when you're on substitute pay, when those holidays roll around, you don't get paid for those holidays. You know, you don't have insurance through the company, through the, the school district or anything. You're just considered a long term sub. But my rewards came from being in the classroom. And because I did so well, the following year, they did bring me on as certified teacher. And that helped tremendously because I was finally stable enough where I could just, you know, use uh, one job was enough to kind of take care of my son and I at that time. And I just uh, went on ahead and stayed in school and finished my master's and taught fifth grade that year. So I taught fourth, I taught fifth. Then I've taught high school, uh, ninth grade for two years. And then I went back to the elementary level and I taught fourth grade again. And then I did fifth grade again. again. And then I went to high school and I ended my teaching. I taught English one, English two, and I ended with English three. Because I have transitioned from the classroom, I must tell you that I transitioned out of the classroom this past December. Basically, administration, it was just, it's just, it wasn't there. And I think having great leadership or at least good leadership is so important in the classroom because, you know, who is above you, you kind of want to have a connection with, a positive connection with so that you know that you have their support. My kids were great. 
it was never them. I always enjoy the kids. It was always the higher up people. And so um, I had just prayed to God and I put it in uh, the atmosphere to give me an opportunity where I can be there for my boys, like picking them up and dropping them off at school and also give me a way where I can still financially provide for my family. Between the two, the elementary and the high school, um, it sounds like you preferred the high school because that's where you ended up. Absolutely. Yes. At high school, the connections you make with the kids. I was more like a counselor or a liaison. There were times I was a nurse. You named it. I, I pretty much just, you know, you I mean, like the little kids, they're awesome. They're great. But that taking them to recess and that taking them to lunch and yeah, I was just like, oh, you just worn out. But they love you with like every fiber in their body and they'll always make you little notes and stuff. And so I love that about the younger kids. But the older kids, I was able to, you know, ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, well, here's my suggestions on things that you should worry about. I, I, I like being able to help them know the importance of ACT scores, of scholarships, so that they don't have to pay. My my years prior, I was at another school and I had two senior girls that I was able to help um, enroll in Alcorn State University and their school, like tuition was paid for, room and board was paid for. And it was all about making sure they had the right score on their ACT. And so it was like, oh my gosh, I kind of like put help get two girls in that don't ever have to worry about student loans. And in fact, they get refund checks instead of having to pay for school. And it's, you know, I, I, I was hard on myself younger, but I wished I would have had someone that would have guided me in the right direction to know, go apply for those scholarships. You only, you just have to write essays for some of them. And that extra Money could have been helpful toward books and all of that. Instead, I got into pulling student loans out and then getting your master's student loans out. And then um, I started my specialist student loans out. So student loans became my, my, my best friend and then get my enemy when you have to start paying them back. So how do you find Mississippi is when it comes to supporting education? Not good at all. And it's it's so sad because like our state just picked up the lottery uh, a couple of months ago. And so how the lottery is supposed to work is like the initial funds that come in for it. It's supposed to go toward like road work and all that type of stuff. And then if there are funds left over, then you give it to education. And I'm like, really? Our pay is not good. It's it's, it's just, it's sad. And I mean, Mississippi has been one of the bottom states for a long time. Even back, I think when I was in school, Mississippi has always been one of the lower schools. And so, you know, the question kind of is, you know, who is going to be that person that's going to step up and say, hey, I'm fighting for education of the schools. I'm, I'm fighting for the schools. I'm fighting for our kids, our future. You know, who was going to be that person to step up and say, you know, that's what I'm running for. And Do you see that changing anytime soon? Do you see priorities where people would at least say first schools, then roads? It's going to be like this. This this state is uh, there. They they don't change. 
they like things the way that they are. So, no, it's not going to change. Where would you say when you were in the classroom or even now, what were areas that you had the most success with? And what were areas where you struggled the most? Areas that I saw my struggles first, because I like to end on a positive note. My struggles uh, definitely would be lesson planning. Uh, it was just, I dreaded. And yeah, lesson planning and being organized were areas I was not strong in. And I think that that affected my uh, ability to be as strong as I would have liked to have been in the classroom at times. Um, My strengths would definitely be the relationships, like the positive relationships that I was able to build with my students. They knew I cared, so therefore they would put forth all of their effort in doing um, whatever the assignments were that they had to do. One that I won't forget is that we read a novel called Piecing Me Together by Renee Watson. And then at the end, I had them to create their own post. It was kind of like a poster, but it was called Pieces of Me. And I still have pictures of some of the ones that I saved, but they did a beautiful job because what the young lady did in the book was that she would create collages with patterns and stuff that she would find. And so that was her way of piecing herself together. And so when they did the assignment pieces of me, they were able to um, draw well, actually color the different patterns that was on the pages. And then in different spots, it would ask them questions about themselves, like their favorite book, their favorite food. And so in those spots, they would actually put pictures of their favorite things. And then on the outside of it, you would have the the color patterns that they chose to create. So I thought it was a beautiful assignment to do with them. And I also thought that it was a great way to leave them because the young lady that we read about, she was actually in the 11th grade. So they were able to connect with her in so many ways and they enjoyed reading it. And I had one young fellow who I had him the year prior, he never wanted to read. It was like, no, don't call me. I don't want to read, blase, blase. Like, don't do it. Well, we would always popcorn read. Well, this year, when we were reading Piecing Me Together, he volunteered to read. And, and the deal was, you read a paragraph, you get popcorn. All right, if you're popcorn, you have to automatically read at least one paragraph. If you wanted to go on, you could, but you had to do at least one paragraph if you were popcorn. And when he was popcorn, he read his entire chapter. And then when the next day came in, he was, Miss Miss B, can I start us off reading? And I'm like, absolutely. And I was like, oh my God. And I told him, I said, I'm leave his name out, but I said, you have made my year. I said, my year was to end today, it has been made by you because I've watched you grow from last year to not wanting to say much of anything to watching you grow into this reader. That's that's awesome. I I love that story. Do you find like when I when I talk to English teachers, but almost all teachers, but English teachers in particular, the the struggle really seems to be finding books that are representative of the students that you're teaching and that they can connect to. Having found that one book, it was Piecing Me Together. Do you have any other books that you would recommend for teachers that are struggling to find books? As far as in, um, with me having 11th grade, Piecing Me Together was a great one. 
There's another one by Renee Watson. I think it was What Mama Left Me. Um, I have some of those. Um, there's a book that I just did a giveaway. I did a giveaway for Black History Month. And um, I gave away the book called Skin I'm In. It's not as long as uh, it's by Sharon Flake, if I'm not mistaken. On Twitter, you'll see where I had um, took them to the post office and mailed them off to the winners that won. And then I had one winner. She has a student who is just kind of, you know, little low self-esteem or she doesn't think very highly of herself and she gave me her name and she was like, you know, are you interested in, um, you know, if I wanted to write a little short note to her in her book that I could. And so I told her yes. And in the note, I told her you are not perfect. In parentheses, none of us are. Sometimes you make mistakes. I put in parentheses, all of us do. But you are you. There's no one else in the world quite like you. And no one else brings to the world what you bring. You learn from mistakes. Your imperfections create character and you are enough. And I told her you have people rooting for you. And I just said best wishes. And I gave her my name and my Twitter name. The teacher's supposed to like take a picture when she receives the book. But I sent a book to both the young lady and the teacher so that they could read it together or, you know, read it and then come back to each other and talk about it. You know, and, and just the skin on me and it's just basically trying to get you to just learn to love yourself. And it's taken me years to get to that place of learning to love myself. But once you get there, it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And then you have no problems loving anyone else, regardless of what they do or what they say. You have no problem doing that when you love yourself. So you started the the book giveaway through your Twitter. Was that when you were still in the classroom or is this a, a new thing that you've decided to do? I've been giving for quite a while now. I used to give back when I was in the classroom and that's how it actually started. Um, I actually have a nonprofit with my website and it's called Bright Butterfly. With it, my my I, I have a book initiative and it's basically hashtag a book for every child. So currently on my Amazon wish list, I have books that I'm trying to donate to a kindergarten and first grade class. So most of the books that I donate, like currently I have a set of books that I'm taking to a fourth grade teacher and I have a set of books I'm taking through to a third grade teacher. And then I have the books that I have up online right now that are, you know, open to anybody that retweets and likes and um, they get put in the drawing for the books. My biggest thing is just always getting to the post office on time. Again, I still do the book giveaways and I currently have one up now. And your Twitter handle, I'll put it in the show notes, but if someone needs to check it out right now while we're listening. It is LHB loves E-D-U. Yes, that's for my Twitter. That's for my Instagram. And then the website is uh, www.lhbwithlove.com. Being in, in Mississippi, what would you say would be the, like, the, the demographic of a lot of the Mississippi students and then the teacher demographics as well? 
Uh, demographics in Mississippi, we, I will, I will tell you from the areas that I've taught at, um, has been predominantly black, predominantly low income. The last district that I left from, it was about, um, 90% plus African-American, um, and our ratio of teachers, I mean, there wasn't a lot of diverse uh, teachers at the high school, but on the elementary level, I do see uh, a fair amount of mixture uh, or more diversity on the elementary level. So um, that's good. But I think that was, I was able to create a food pantry, um, not this year, but last year I created a food pantry uh, through Donors Choose Projects. And um, I think a lot of people were willing to help me fund those projects to have those snacks for those kids because um, a lot of them didn't, you know, sometimes that meal at school is the only meal that they have. Um, and sometimes they would have after school practices, but don't have anything to put on their stomach to try to hold them until practice is done and then they're able to get home to eat. So I would um, keep like water, um, Gatorade, apple juices, orange juices, any type of little crackers, um, granola bars, those type of things I would keep in the pantry to um, kind of help those that, you know, didn't have that opportunity to go home and get something or, you know, be able to buy something before they would have practice. And then um, we would also use the pantry as an incentive. You know, if you're doing great, you can earn tiger books. And then those tiger books, they could turn in to go to the food pantry. Um, unfortunately, the administration that I had, they took it down immediately once school was out. Uh, and they emptied my pantry and my janitorial staff told me that they were told to empty everything out and throw it away. It, it broke me because I had spent over two thousand plus dollars to fund that pantry for those kids and to have it taken away just like that. What justification could an administrator have for not wanting their kids to be fed there wasn't. It was the it was the point that they didn't do it. And since they didn't create it, then it was like, you know, it, 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 this has to go. I didn't create this, so I'm going to get rid of it. Um, I also had a hygiene closet. And so I feel bad because, you know, I still have like sanitary napkins and stuff for the young ladies. But I don't know of anybody there that I could in trust to keep them for the young ladies when they need them because I would keep them in my closet because it was like a hygiene closet. I kept deodorant, Listerine, lotion, sanitary napkins, um, hand sanitizer, everything was in that particular locker. So, you know, if you forgot lotion that day or you forgot deodorant in here, take this deodorant, this is yours, you keep it, you know. Because sometimes we always forget, as I keep one in my purse because I could be going and I'm like, did I put the odor on this morning? Okay, I don't think I did. And I gotta, you know, pull out my extra in my purse and put it on. So um, it, it helped to have the hygiene closet there. I could see that they were um, making use of it as well, you know. So to go back to some strategies for teachers that perhaps are are struggling when they do have 
students who are in situations of poverty, you mentioned having resources available to them with no stigma. Clearly, they they really loved you and they were really open um, to the hygiene closet and the food pantry. Do you have any other strategies or techniques that you would be willing to share to teachers who might be struggling? Absolutely. Um, Sometimes if you have a student that is acting out, they're acting out for a reason. I have one who wasn't a very good reader. And so because he wasn't a very good reader, he would tend to want to act out during reading time because he didn't want anybody to popcorn on him to read. And so build the relationship with with that student. You know, when they come in, you always speak to them, ask them how they're doing, how their day's going. You have to build a connection of some sort. And so, you know, with certain students like that, give them certain jobs that they can do. So that they feel like, you know, they're, you know, doing something important like, you know, hey, such and such, do you mind passing out the books for today or taking up the books for today? Um, If they have some type of involvement in assisting the teacher, that usually would help. Sometimes taking them out and having a one-on-one conversation with them just to try to get down to the nitty gritty of what's really wrong and what you can do to try to help. Building those relationships are absolutely a key. And candy, 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 candy. I know it's not healthy, but candy, uh, chips. Um, I was the last one. Once I was leaving, I had an incentive and it was a punch card. And as they did certain things, they would receive punches on their card. And ultimately, like the person that had all of theirs punched, they were going to receive a gift card um, or I was going to buy them their favorite lunch from one of the lunch spots that we had. Any kind of incentives that you can put in their way, definitely put them in their way and definitely make connections with them. Um, They're not acting out just because they're just BAD. No, they're acting out and they're wanting you to reach out to them to figure out why they're acting the way that they're acting. And I will say at least eight times out of 10, when you pull them aside and you talk to them one-on-one and you ask, you know, what's going on and, um, you know, why, why did you act like this? They're going to like shy up and they're going to become this nicest, sweetest kid. And, you know, you're going to get the story that you're needing to hear to know why they're acting the way that they are. Create those positive, and I will throw in professional, positive professional relationships because some teachers kind of go way overboard. No, you got to have that that standard in there where it's a professional, but it's one where they know that you care and that you're going to come through for them and um, help them with whatever they need help with. Well, so then one of my favorite questions to ask teachers is if I gave you unlimited funds and you could use these funds to support cleaning and chefs and stuff like that to take care of stuff in your personal life, but the rest of the money would have to go to creating your dream school or classroom, what would that look like to you? Oh, gosh, I've always wanted my own school. Um, I was going to name it September Chances Academy. Um, an ideal school would be where it is fully uh, technology enhanced. The kids are guaranteed um, at least two meals a day and a snack that afternoon to take home. There would be uh, required reading, you know, required cursive handwriting. 
that would be ideal for me. Um, ideal teachers, those that don't mind thinking outside the box. Um, I would make sure that they have the best support system available. I will also have um, mental health uh, available. I feel like, you know, yeah, we take those mental health days, but are we actually seeing someone to help us with our mental health? It's needed for adults as well as for children. I always have a, a, a someone trained in mental health uh, be available at the school at any time. You never really have that one counselor that is there to, if you're having um, situations at home or you're living out of your vehicle or, you know, you're sleeping on someone's floor at home. We, those are things we need to know so that we can get the proper um, help for our kids. And, and then I want to like be able to, to uh, go to my students' homes and do like home evaluations and stuff. And then I would love to like offer scholarships and um, and that's part of what I want to do with my book initiative that I have, a book for every child. My goal is to have two $250 scholarships that I could have available. We'll do it here with the high school in Natchez, and then I will want to do it at the high school that I just left from. I may be able to, if I stop buying books for a little while, <laughs> then um, I could possibly be able to... Um, get both of them or maybe I can start with I know I can do one at least so maybe I'll start with one and then from that one I will see you know um, I'll start saving up sooner because see school is about to let out in a couple of months and so I want to get that you know I want to get one in now so yeah you've you've helped me know what I need to put on my to-do list I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be titling this le the the Less Than Impossible episode "Giving" because you are one of the most giving teachers that I've I've ever talked with. I just love giving. I mean, I feel like I've been blessed. Um, it hasn't always been that way for me. Um, I remember working three jobs at one time, just trying to survive. Um, I remember when I worked in nine one one, and I would have twelve hour shifts. And I still had my, I only had one, one, my oldest son at that time. And I had an angel that worked at the daycare who would help me with him. And I will remember getting off the work at, I would go 12 hour shifts from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I would get off at 6 a.m. I would go pick him up from the daycare. We would go home for just a little while. I would catch a quick nap get him back together, take him back to the daycare so that I can get to Alcorn for an 11 o'clock class. And I remember like pushing myself and I was like, God, how did I do it? It had to have been God. Like God had to have been with me through those months of being able to do that because I don't know how else I was able to do it. Like I don't. And so I just want others to, to learn from me and um, learn from any mistakes that I've made. Um, and just, you know, have a, have a, it's, it's okay to have a giving heart. Um, and it's okay to be positive. Like, that's not a bad thing, you know? So, yeah, that's about it. That's me in a nutshell. You've inspired me. So what, I, what I'm going to say is um, I'm going to contribute a hundred dollars and then any listener who would like to contribute more, um, I will match it up to 200. 
Um, and I'll put those in the show notes and you can put that on Twitter. Yeah, I can only personally help up to 200, but if other people want to match as well, then they can. Um, but hopefully we can get you to that by June uh, so that there's a scholarship waiting for someone. You made me cry. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. So I really wanted to do that. And I just didn't know exactly how I was going to, but I know that that's something that I wanted to achieve. I appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know. It's my pleasure. Oh, man, I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I'm happy and I'm, I feel really grateful to have a platform where the, this message can, can go out to others. So I'm just all like lost for words. I'm so appreciative. I can't tell you. I'm so appreciative of, of your help and... Um, I'm appreciative of the opportunity of being able to come on here and um, give my side of, of my story and, and just try. My ultimate goal is always try to inspire others um, to do as much as they can um, to, to help because, you know, God, he, he, he will make a way, you know, um, being able to give and then turn it around and then you being blessed to, to receive and in order to turn around and re-give. And it's going to, it's going to be great being able to give that scholarship to uh, um, a deserving student. I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. It's always been a dream of mine to be able to do that. The link to donate to Letizion's Book Scholarship is in the show notes or at lessonimpossible.com. Once you donate, email me at aviva.levin at gmail.com with the amount, and I'll add that to my total. Letizion has given so much of her own money and time. Let's help take a little of the burden off of her shoulders. If you'd like to find out more about what teachers in Canada and the U.S. are doing to transform education, please head to LessonImpossible.com. And if you like the podcast, please forward it to your friends and colleagues, as well as rating and reviewing it on iTunes. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.